learn to diversify. So, for example, I don't think the virtual is going to ever go away. You know, I, I think that that's just going to be a part of what we do. So I think a lot of people have tightened up their virtual game. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Eric M. Twiggs, who is a founding partner and president of the What Now Movement. The What Now Movement's mission is to build high-performing entrepreneurs, authors, and career professionals who are prepared for life's unexpected curveballs. Eric is the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. The Discipline of Now has been recognized as a global top 10 finalist for the 2020 Author Elite Awards in the category of Best Self-Help Book. This recognition was based on the combination of the following criteria, cover design, content, popularity, and social contribution. As a certified life and business coach, Eric has conducted over 28,000 coaching sessions, helping executive leaders and entrepreneurs who have moved from feeling frustrated to finding fulfillment. Eric has also led organizations of 500 more people in in corporate America and shared his message with corporations, associations, and congregations across the country. Eric is also the host of the weekly inspirational podcast titled The 30-Minute Hour. You can find this podcast on all podcast platforms. So before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. I'm so excited my book, Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improvisation, has been scheduled for release. The paperback edition is scheduled to be released on October 6th, less than a month away, and the Kindle ebook on November 3rd. And both formats are available for pre-order on Amazon now. And because I want to do something special for my friends and my supporters, both editions are now 20% off during the pre-order process. Go to www.offscriptimprov.com. Com, and you'll be redirected to the book page on Amazon where you can pre-order this book. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. And if you have, thank you very much. And share this episode with a friend. I'd greatly appreciate your continual support. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, where you can see previous podcast episodes, along with this one in the coming weeks. While you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, 
that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Eric Twins. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm real excited about my guest today. As you heard in the intro, procrastination just keeps jumping out at me. And, and I, I think this might be more, more than an interview. It could be a therapy session because I've gotten better from suffering from my procrastination, but I, I am a licensed CPA, and the P in CPA stands for procrastination. So first and foremost, Eric, thank you so very much for taking time out of your schedule to be on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. I am too. Uh, and doing my research, I was listening to very little part of the intro of your interview with Michael Sherlock on Shock Your Potential. And she met you at a conference. And she said what really, you gave her your business card and she gave it a double take. Would you happen to have a business card handy where you could kind of show me what, I mean, what was it about this card that caught her attention? Well, I think it was, um, you know, my tagline, I'm your procrastination prevention partner. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think it was just, you know, timing is everything. Like right. Michael and I are great friends and we collaborate and all kinds of things. Uh, I, I think at the time she was working on a project and she felt like procrastination was really holding her back. And she just happened to get my card. They said, I'm your procrastination prevention partner. It was like, oh, my God, I need you in my life right now. Yeah, actually, I think she was working on her second book, if I remember, because I listened yeah. to about the first yeah. five, seven minutes of it. And I, I caught that, but I, I didn't. I purposely made sure I didn't listen to what was on the card or what it said on the card, because I wanted to ask that, you know, here. But yeah, that's what. So you're the procrastination partner. And we don't go back but about 30 seconds, but I'm going to hold you to that because I'm a pretty good procrastinator, even though I've written three books, but I procrastinated through that. So I, I do want to first start off and ask the question, you know, you, you've got this, the what now movement. What is the what now movement? And how did you come up with that name? So it started at the beginning of the pandemic last year. It was like April timeframe of 2020 when it really started getting going. And the sort of funny thing, myself and my business partner and co-host, Ted Fells, and Dr. Sharon H. Porter. Before the pandemic, we were planning on joining forces and doing these conferences 
but we get, you get a hotel, you get, bring guests in. We want to work together. It's going to be great. And the pandemic came. So you couldn't do anything that wasn't virtual. So we started, well, what now? We started asking ourselves that. And then we started talking and we started noticing that the people in our circles, there were several people who had plans and ventures and things like that. And they would say things like, I'm going to wait until things get back to normal. And we said, no, that, that, that's the last thing you should be doing. You should be asking yourself, what now? And that's when all the light bulbs went off. Oh, you know, we should call this the what now movement. And you know what? We need to still work together. So that, that's, that's how it came to be. So I'm the president of the what now movement. And we help people to pivot instead of stopping, right? So when you encounter a crisis, you encounter a challenge, you know, the thing that you don't want to stop. You may just need to pivot. So we provide tools and inspiration to help people do that. I love it. What now? I mean, I went through that exact same thing. Now, I'm in the world of leadership and improvisation. And improvisation, we don't use the word pivot. We use the word adapt. Kind of the same concept, except I went to the University of Kentucky. So I know a little bit about basketball, horse racing, and bourbon. But back to basketball, <laughs> I, I know you can't move that pivot foot but you can go around in a circle. And I was kind of like, well, we're not really pivoting, but I, I, I get that, I, that whole concept. We, we need to move forward. And, and, and I love that how it came about. And, and please keep the crusade going. I'll, I'll, I'm part of your crusade. What now? Because that's what I kept telling myself. The mind was, yes, and what do I need to do next? How do I need to get my business moving forward? How do I need, because I don't want to go back. You can't go back. So many people want to go back. It's like, so how does this, how does the what now movement and procrastination have in common? Oh, I think it ties, it ties in because a lot of times we, we stop, we start to delay, we, we put things off and, you know, and you really need to, sometimes you just need to pivot and you need to, if you ask yourself, so I, I've just, I've learned that a lot of times your success in life, it isn't necessarily about having all the answers. It's about asking the right questions. And if you're, if you're asking yourself, and I literally will have people just you know, write down certain questions and they'll start coming up with answers. So like if you ask yourself, okay, what now? And you just get quiet. A lot of times you'll start coming up with things that, and that'll, that'll stop you from procrastinating. So you can say, I don't know. I, I want to write a book, but I don't know what to do. What now? Well, let's see. I can call. I know. Peter, he, he's an author. He's written three books. I could call him and get some tips. I could start off with coming up with a title. When, when you really start to ask yourself that question, it, it can stop you from procrastinating. You, you figure, okay, what can I do now? So I have this question. Were you a procrastinator early in life or have you always been a non-procrastinator? No, I, procrastination was an issue for me, you know, going back. And so, so one of the things, because people always ask me, well, how did you get to the point where you talk about procrastination? It, it started when I was in college, right? So I had this, I talk about this in the book. I'm having this conversation with a good friend of mine. His name is Donnell. We, he and I were a little different. Like he was all about his purpose and I was all about party. <laughs> and he'd always give me a hard time, man. You need to get serious, figure out what you want to do, focus. And I'm like, loosen up, man. We were still young. We got plenty of time for all that. Are you coming to the frat party with me or not? <laughs> and so time, time went by. I didn't, we hadn't talked for a while. But then I got a phone call from his mother 
informing me that he was killed in a car accident. Oh my gosh. Changed everything for me. That sent me a message. That sent me the message that maybe I don't have as much time as I think to do the things that I want to do and need to do. And so ever since, I've really been thinking about how I'm spending time, you know, what can I do to be more productive? I, I've been hearing the clock ticking ever mm -hmm. since that. But but no, I'm not I'm not immune from procrastination. You know, and I've I've had my battles and struggles, but the key is putting the disciplines in place. And just by saying the what what now? Those what two now? What, what now what now? Exactly. I love that. I love that. I, I love that idea. But you still, it sounds like to me that you still fall into a little bit of procrastination these days. You're able to jump back on the wagon when you fall off a lot easier than you did maybe back in college or soon after college. Yeah. So I think it's all about awareness, right? And, and so now I think my awareness is heightened. And like, I, I just know myself to the point where there's just certain things I just don't like doing them. Right. I, just, I mean, let's be honest here. Right. It's, it's not that deep. It's not, you know, I just don't like doing it. And it'll be easy for me to put it off. But then I, I realized something that just because something has to be done, it doesn't mean that I have to be the one to do it. So can you give me an example of something you just don't like to do? <laughs> Honestly, like I, I don't like the whole scheduling thing. Right. Okay. The, the details behind scheduling and putting it on a person's calendar. I don't like doing it. it it's a de it needs to be done. So in, in that instance, I've hired a great virtual assistant. And she, she handles that. And that's just one less thing uh, that I have to. So, so sometimes I, I'm, I'm more of the big picture person. Like I'm your type A personality. I'm looking at the bottom line, the results. That, that I'm more focused on it. So it, it'll be easy for me to procrastinate on some of the little minor details. That, but these details need to be done. So, I mean, that, that's an example. And, and that's something I have, to, I have to watch. Knowing myself a certain way, that, that way, I can put certain things in place. I, I teach the SWOT analysis. And, and that conversation the SWOT analysis changed over time about weaknesses. Do you, it went from, well, you should probably work on those weaknesses. How can you correct them? Or it's now it's, what are your weaknesses? What don't you like to do? Can that be outsourced? It's exactly what you said. Can that be outsourced? Now, you're a type A personality. Would you consider yourself a control enthusiast? <laughs> a control enthusiast. <laughs> Yeah, they, I was told not to say control freak by somebody. So I uh, control enthusiast. So you sure. Know? I mean, I, I like, you know, yes. Okay. Let's, let's just say that. Yes, <laughs> I, I can be. And that caused problems because I, I was, especially when I was supervising people, I was hesitant to delegate, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, my thing was nobody's going to do it like Eric. And so I wanted to make sure it got done. And the, so, but the problem is it wears on you. And I've, I've been on the verge of burnout you know, at different points. I mean, I, I had, I was, I was a district manager. I had 500 employees. We were doing like $50 million in revenue. And yeah, I was, I was right there on that edge of burnout. And a lot of it was because there were certain things that I was doing that I could have just delegated uh, and just gave someone else responsibility for um, again. But, 
I'm glad you're bringing this up because I go, I know myself and, and I, I know that I have to, I have to make an extra effort to make sure I'm, you know, handing certain things off to free me up to focus on the main things. So for my audience, you guys out there, your accountants, you finance people, we'll just, I'll just talk to you directly real quick. Uh, you have this issue. You don't want to let things go. You think you, you're the only one that can do it. Listen to Eric, delegate it. it take, yes, it does take more time to teach somebody how to do it, but also in the, that's the short term. The long term, it frees up your time to do things that are more important. Now that, that's great. Now yeah, that, I still struggle with that. It, it wasn't until last year, maybe 18, 18 no, like two years ago, that I, I got a VA to help me, virtual assistant to help me. Other, I was doing everything else. And it's gotten to the point now that I had a conversation today with another uh, virtual assistant about I need to let go of some things and, open, and just pass it off because I struggle from, from that as well. And I think a lot of us do. And Mark, we just, you know, we think we can do it, but then we're burning ourselves out. And you said you, you, you've almost gotten through a couple of burnouts in the day. How, how did you recognize that you were on the verge of a major burnout? Well, like for me, like I would just wake up every day at like three o'clock in the morning and just not be not be able to go back to sleep. Uh, that that was one sign. And I just got to the point where I remember I remember feeling that yeah, I didn't want to do anything anymore. I, I just don't. And the interesting thing is, I I took a vacation, and I came back and felt like a completely different person. It was, when I came back, my I was like, wow, you know, it's like my. And I needed that. And, but that taught me something that I even teach today that how you have to factor in recovery into your plan. Like, like if you look at these peak athletes, elite athletes, their coach had you know, the recovery is just as important as the running and the, the, the lifting of the weights. They, they literally build that into the plan. You look at like someone like the LeBron James, he literally has a recovery specialist. That he pays like seven figures to, and, and like so, when LeBron is walking off the court, he, the the guys handed him a special shake. I mean, they literally have okay. This is how this is how long you're going to rest each day. It, it, it's all built in, and I think that that is so important, especially especially for the Type A personalities, because you, you know our tendency is we we'll just keep working. Yeah, we just keep going. <laughs> but so you really have to be mindful of that and make sure that you're factoring in recovery into your plan. I'm looking in the mirror. Oh my God, uh, this is terrible. But when I first started this business, we we have a timeshare down in Santa Carolina for two weeks. Did I take two weeks off? No, I would get up early in the morning. I'd work until the family got up, spend the morning or early afternoon, and then. Late afternoon, I would come and do, and I did this for eight years. I wasn't getting, I, I wasn't recovering. And finally, one year, I said, all right, going to do an hour a day, and that's it. Just check email. Just, and I actually got rest. I actually felt like I had a vacation. It, it, it's amazing, but to your point, type A's, you know, we just literally have to, to have that come to Jesus meeting and say, I need a break. I need to get away from it. Yeah, because at that point, I don't think you see the forest for the trees. Right. So I know you're a certified life and business coach, and you've coached, what, about 28, 
plus thousand people in it. You don't look old enough. I'm sorry to say that you, you've you've done twenty eight thousand coaching, <laughs> helping executive leaders. I mean, I'm th- I looked at that and I saw your your headshot and I went, no, he's got to be a lot older than that. But you don't look like it. How did you get into the, the, the life and business coaching? What what was the purpose of, of moving into that direction? Well, I, I, it's kind of evolved. And so, you know, when, when I would be doing speaking engagements, you know, people would would ask me about it. You know, it is interesting. So I, I you know, you, you coach, and I'm like, oh, coach, what do you mean? Yeah, I like you to be my coach, huh? Really? And so it, it just kind of it just kind of evolved over time. I think people had people. Yeah, it's one thing to hear the theory behind overcoming procrastination, and you know, yeah, you can even implement the tool, but it helps to have a coach. And I just, I just recognize just the need and value of coaching. Again, you go back to the athletes. There's no accident or coincidence that the top athletes in the world, they all have a coach, right? Because there's just a level, you need that person outside of you. You need that accountability. You need that person that can see your blind spots. It helps to have somebody that's been where you're trying to get. Um, so, so I truly value the need for a coach. And I, I think that's why I've, that, that's what's helped me to be an effective coach. And, and that's why I do it now. That, that is a big change in, in, in mindset, especially for those who are in corporate America, because they feel like the performance review process is that feedback mechanism that we get to become better. However, we all need a coach. You know, and, and, and I've been trying to, I, I keep an, I have a number of coaches over the years to help me with a variety of different things because I yes. want somebody else, who, just like you said, who understands what I do, but can pick up on the nuances and see my blind spots in order for me to get better. And without that person, and if we're relying on the performance review process, we may never uncover those blind spots. That's true. And I can tell you, like, I've invested money and coaches that I, I didn't really have these, this money just lying around. <laughs> I didn't have thousands of dollars, but I, you, you probably saw you relate to me there. But, you know, and I've just sucked it up and invested. And I, I can tell you, I've never regretted. I've never gone away and felt like, yeah, I shouldn't. No, it, it's it's helped me to level up. I mean, I've had coaches as far as the speaking. Um, right now, I'm working with a couple of podcast coaches. Um, I'm in a couple of programs just to just to help me level up there. And uh, yeah, because here's what happens: it's it's easy to get into the, the hamster wheel thing, right? Yeah. Working, you work. If you type A, you're working, you're doing things, but you, the needle isn't moving. And it could be, you know, you need that someone to say, you know what, instead of doing it this way, you may want to think about it this way. You know, maybe you said this word, but instead try this word. And then all of a sudden now you get a different result. So, no, I, I just think that the coaching thing is critical. You said a really important word there. You didn't use the word cost. It cost me thousands of dollars. Use the word investment. And that in itself changes people's mindset. Well, we can, I'm investing in myself. And then, okay, then what's the return on investment? Well, that can be measured over time, but at least you're making that investment into oneself. And I think a lot of people don't look at it that way. They look at the overall cost and, and that's a short-term piece. 
looking at it as an investment. How am I going to grow? How am I going to become better? How am I going to become better by hiring Eric as my coach? So I can be quit procrastinating and become a better public speaker or, or whatever. And where will that take me versus where it's going to set me back? I think it's critical in changing people's mindset to realize And for those of you who are listening right now, think about it. Every one of you guys need a coach in some way, shape, or form. Invest in yourself. Yeah, so like the thing is, too, is I think you, it's about the version of yourself, right? You have to become like, a to get to that next level, you have to become that type of person. So if you're, let's say your business is doing 500000 and you want to have a million dollar business, you have to, there has to be, you have to become that person who can handle a million dollars. You know, and it's next to impossible to get there on your own without some mentors, without coaches, without, I mean, so that, that's really what it's all about, becoming that, becoming that better version of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've made a lot of investments over the years in, in that, in those coaches, and I, I would not trade it for anything. No. They brought it so much value. And, and sometimes I'll even go back to the coach where I'll find somebody who might have a little bit different perspective just to get a little bit, you know, a, a different look at it. But I, I think it's really critical. Sure. Um, as well as helping me quit my procrastination. Now, back to procrastination, I, I will say, you know, the pandemic did almost cure me of procrastinating because it became, all of a sudden, and, and I'm a speaker, I'm just, we have similar backgrounds and what we do, and all my business kind of dried up. It allowed me to stop and think about my business and how I need to restructure it in order to survive the 18, 24 months as well come after that. And it was weird because I didn't know what it felt like to stop and just not have to jump on another airplane or go to another speaking engagement or get home at three o'clock in the morning. And I recognize that as you don't know how long this is going to last. You're going to be back on that hamster wheel. No more procrastination. You got to put some things in place. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that that quiet time or that downtime, it, yeah, it forces you to, to revisit your business model and think about, you know, think about how you're doing things. And I think that one of the key things, there's a reason that a lot of the, Fortune 500 companies will birth during some type of downturn or pandemic, right? If you look at most of them, they started, you know, during some type of crisis, you know, because it gives you that, the crisis gives you that opportunity to rethink and really focus. And you can really come out a whole lot better than you went in. Yes. And, and I know a lot of speakers who took that approach like this is going to be short term i'll never go virtual they were a little bit late to the game but they finally got in the game because they, they were seeing things were drying up it wasn't moving in the direction that, that that they were hoping that it was moving and yeah it's go ahead please so every day like my goal is to either to both to, i want to create distance and i want to close distance Every day I'm looking to do that, right? So I'm, I'm looking to, I really haven't shared this on a podcast before, but this is just something that I've really been thinking about here lately. So I'm looking at the, the people that are behind me on the, say, the developmental track. You know, mm -hmm. I want to create distance by, by certain, having certain disciplines in place. 
but I also want to close distance for people who may be ahead of me. Who and then I so what I, what I'm seeing is that with this pandemic, I, I think the opportunity is there to close the distance. So some of the people who maybe going into the pandemic may have been ahead on the development track, but maybe they they they're like okay, I'm going to wait until things get back to normal. I'm I i do not know what I'm going to do. Didn't really make the pivots. That's that's an opportunity to close distance. You know, if you're making the pivots and you're doing those things. I, that, that, I, I think it's a question of, of the, either creating or closing distance. That, that's the way I look at it. I, I like that analogy. I think a horse race, I think of a, a horse race, but it's what you're doing. You're, you're chasing the secretaries of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what have you done to strengthen yourself, to close that distance and distance yourself from the competition? I love that. Uh, we'll definitely make, use that as a quote. In the in the social media means that 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 we send you to help promote it, but so let me ask this question: As someday we will be out of this pandemic, it'll be somewhat in the rearview mirror. How do you maintain that reality in a new normal? It's good to diversify, kind of your approach, so you're not dependent on one medium. Like you're not just dependent on, you know, getting in a hotel room. You learn to diversify. So I don't like, for example, I don't think the virtual is going to ever go away. You know, I, I think that that's just going to be a part of what we do. So I think a lot of people have tightened up their virtual game, right? You know, I, I think like, if you look at it at the beginning of the pandemic, people, the lighting, they weren't right. You know, that you couldn't really hear them. The sound wasn't good on virtual, but now the expectation is that your virtual game is tight. You know, you need to <laughs> The lighting needs to be good. The sound should be good. Um, so I, I think that focus will continue. After the pandemic, yeah, we, you need to be thinking about your, your business model so that it's not dependent on just one thing. So if, the, if, an, if another pandemic came, you know, or something else came, you know, how would you be able, the way you're set up, you know, what would you do? How would you be able to flourish? I, I think if you, you kind of maintain that mindset, you can continue to, to move forward. It was interesting when, when, when the pandemic hit, I'd been dealing with Zoom for about five years, so I kind of knew it inside and out. I went to a bunch of my clients and said, if you need help, I'm here to help you. I'm not, not going to charge anything during the pandemic, but let me help you just assimilate into this new product. And it was, it was funny at first to see how foreign it was because it wasn't that foreign to me. I was trying to remember back when I first got it, but you're right, the lighting was bad. You know, if I talked to another person on a Zoom call, on their phone while they're driving, while the phone's in their lap and I'm looking up the nose, I'd be one too many more times. It, 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 we all forgot, you know, even self-awareness. It's just, we would never do half the stuff that we do on Zoom in real, face to face, but it's like, we, but it's gotten, it's gotten better, but we, you know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I just think it, we, we just have to be thinking about you know, kind of the next things, you know, how do I diversify? How do I, I mean, I remember one for the thing for me, I mean, I, my thing was, I like, I like doing the in-person events. Oh, yeah. right? that, that, that was my thing. And, yeah. and I get in front of people and, you know, I, I'd gotten a lot of opportunities. I'd go to an event and I'd meet somebody and that would lead to a series of speaking engagements. And, yeah. And so you, you kind of lose that in the virtual world, but, but you definitely, but we, I'm starting to see ways, you know, opportunities in, in the virtual uh, atmosphere as well. 
But so you just have to just re bottom line, you just have to rethink kind of your approach, your model and your philosophy. So I don't know this answer, but I do know that you, know, you, you mentioned it, but you didn't mention the name. You have a weekly inspirational podcast titled The 30 Minute Hour. Yes. When did you when did you start that? Well, we started that in 2019. So we started that in February of 2019. And so I, I'm the host. And then I have a co-host, Ted Fells, who's also he's my business partner. And so interestingly enough, we would we would record the episodes at Ted's office, right? And we, we record them and then, you know, put them out there. But then the pandemic came and, and you couldn't go in the office. So that, that's when we started doing what we do now. Uh, we started uh, using Facebook Live. Mm. Uh, and, and so we went from recording our episodes to doing all of our, kind of the what now moment. You know, what now? So, so we went to doing the rest of our episodes. To this day, all of our episodes we do live, we end up recording them and sending them out, sending out the recording, but everything is done live on our podcast. Uh, and it, it, it was, it's been a positive game changer. I mean, our following has grown. And, and, you know, like now we, we talk to people in Australia, England, all, all places all over the world uh, have been have been inter- interviewed on the podcast. But, yeah, so as far as the pod, the 30 minute hour, we always say it's not your everyday podcast. Because, we, I mean, it's, it's fun. You know, Ted and I, we bring a lot of humor to it. We crack jokes on each other. We crack jokes with the guests. But we also leave people with nuggets and things that they can actually implement in their businesses and their lives. And they can find you on Facebook Live. Uh, are, are you on Apple Podcasts? You're taking that content yes. and throwing it yeah. out there? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they can go. They can listen on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, all those usual places that people like to listen. With That's them. cool. So but as we wrap up, as I'm thinking about a conversation, and we have a whole bunch of procrastinators listening in here right now, Eric. What is there a simple step that they can do to begin to fight this procrastination disease? Well, one thing would be just that I always say this, that you can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. Oh, that is outstanding. <laughs> so. The, the, a big reason that people procrastinate is because they feel like they need to have everything figured out before they start, right? So, so yeah, I'm going to start a podcast. Oh, yeah, but I, I don't know what microphone to get, and I don't know which medium to use. I don't know which. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not a techie. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to edit the episodes. So the key is focus on the next step. Like, like what can you do? What, what's the next step you can take? Again, you can call a successful podcaster. You know, you can start listening to episodes. You can, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do and just let the steps uh, build upon each other. But that, that's so important. I think just that alone, if, if you get out of this perfection, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all. And you're not. Anytime you've got a major project, starting a business, starting a podcast, writing a book, you're not going to have it all figured out at the beginning. If, if you did, you wouldn't need faith, right? It, it takes a level of faith to do those things. So you have to step forward in faith, not knowing what the end, exactly what the end is going to look like. But I think if you just focus on taking the small steps, what's the smallest next step I can take? You can overcome procrastination. So I have to ask you this question. Have you ever gone back and listened to some of your early podcast episodes? 
It's painful. (laughs) (laughs) I started mine back in 2016, and I started listening to some of those earlier ones. Like, man, I've learned a lot. Yeah, (laughs) but it was it was pretty painful. (laughs) Yeah, and so even even that, right? So, like Ted and I, we're we're the example of what not to do when you're starting a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That being good, but what not to do when you start? Because literally, we. Like, like we just turned the microphone on and hit play and just started talking. I mean, <laughs> that, that was the extent of it. Right. We, we just started talking and then we had a guest and started asking. And it just, it, it evolved over time. And, and I think we got more structured uh, as, as we went. But I, I think we, we just started. So how can people get in touch with you? And where can they find your book and the, just, oh, uh, the Discipline of Now? Yes. So the book is The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Uh, you can go to my website, ericmtwigs.com. That's uh, eric, E-R-I-C-M, twigs, T-W-I-G-G-S dot com. You can uh, pick up the copy of the book right there. It's in uh, audio, it's in paperback, and it's also in ebook format as well. Go right to the website, pick up your copy. Uh, so, Eric, now that they know where to find you, the copy of your book, the person who helped put this together sent me a note and said that you have like a special offer for my listeners. Would you like to share what that is? Yeah, actually. So for the first five people who respond, we'll actually give you a free download of the audio version of the book, The Discipline of Now. It's got, you you got to get on this right away. So the first, you can't procrastinate. Right, you, you can't put it all. First five people that reach out, you know, you'll you'll get a free download of the audio version of the book to discipline them now. Okay, so to do that, then they they'll need your email address. Yes. So yeah. So they can email me Eric at EricMTwigs.com. and put in the subject line "Change Your Mindset Podcast Special Offer," so yes. you know where it's you know where it's coming from. First five. Not right. six, not seven. Right. On the seven. <laughs> I was doing my LeBron. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I can't thank you enough. It's a pleasure meeting you. I'm glad Michael put us in contact. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation. It has hit home in so many ways. And um, keep saying what now? I, I absolutely love that concept. And, and I'm going to do a better job of not procrastinating. There you go. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you, sir. I want to thank Eric for his time in discussing how to overcome procrastination and the What Now movement. I'm taking this to heart and have a number of What Now sticky notes around my office and my house. I will conclude with an improv quote that I feel is fitting for this interview. And think about it, especially when it comes to procrastination and beating procrastination. The hokey pokey. Think about it. At the end of the song, What do we learn? What is it all about? It's about putting your whole self in. Thank you very much. Be safe. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.